when you're eating real food instead of junk food, the number of grams of sugar is not that big of a deal anymore. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. In today's episode, I am interviewing Dan DeFizio. He's the best-selling author of Beating Sugar Addiction for Dummies and several other books. Dan has also been featured on CNN's Fit Nation, The Dr. Phil Show, Self Magazine, many other publications, podcasts, and radio shows worldwide. Dan, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast today. Thank you so much, Tom. It's an honor to be on your show. Man, it's an honor to have you. I'm, I've been looking forward to this, and I can't wait to get dig deep into sugar, diabetes, and carbs. Yeah, let's do it. Dan, take a minute and give us a brief overview of yourself. My name's Dan DeFigio, and I have been in the exercise and nutrition fields for over 20 years. I started in 1993. I started out as a personal trainer and nutrition counselor. And over the years, um, one of the things that really started to become obvious to me is how much trouble people have with stress eating, sugar addiction, chocoholic stuff, you know, reaching for junk food whenever they get uh, stressed or start feeling out of control or not planning their meals correctly. So I kind of started moving my nutrition counseling towards the sugar addiction niche. And I, um, yeah, I do a lot of writing. I've been in magazines and stuff like that. And so the, uh, the, the company that publishes the dummies books, the Wiley is the name of the company. And they, they contacted me and they said, Hey, we like your stuff. Would you write a book for us? And I said, well, yeah. So that is how beating sugar addiction for dummies was born. And uh, these days, I spend my time um, helping people get off sugar and stop stress eating. Got a website set up for that. It's beatingsugaraddiction.com. And I just enjoy my day-to-day work in helping people live healthier and get back to sort of a normal, healthy nutrition system instead of what they've been doing. Okay. Uh, you were a fighter, weren't you? You were an MMA fighter at one point, I was you? an MMA fighter. I'm flattered that you... How the hell did you know that? I Googled you. You Googled me. <laughs> yeah, I used to be... Um, <laughs> I, I'm kind of a nerd, and I like a lot of different things. So um, I'm, I used to be a real piano player, and I do a lot of jazz stuff. And I also used to be a mixed martial arts fighter. So, uh, But I'm 48 years old now, and that's definitely a young man's game. So... Uh, I just watch it on the television nowadays. Yeah, it's a, definitely a young man's game. I, yes, I, I agree. I, I love hitting a bag. That's one of my favorite things to do is uh, do rounds on a bag because it just it it's just good good cardio and good exercise. Yeah, it is great great conditioning stuff. All right, what I want to talk about a little bit today. This is kind of a you and I sitting down with a cold one and talking about where we're at today in society. I mean today. We have over 29 million Americans are diabetic. Yeah. And 8.1 million of them are undiagnosed and unaware of it. Mm -hmm. This diabetes, type 2 diabetes is what I'm talking about. 
right. has now become, it's not an epidemic anymore. It's more of a crisis because we, because we have children getting diabetes. Yeah, I know. They, it used to be called adult onset diabetes, and now they don't use that term anymore because eight and nine-year-old kids have it. Exactly. And we, in today's society, it just, it's, it's almost like one in three adults, and nine out of ten don't even know it. So how did we get here? Yeah, I think over the last few decades, the quality of the food supply in America has really degraded overall. And um, sugar itself is a, is a problem because it is so pervasive and prevalent, and it's very inexpensive. So I think that as people have their lifestyles get busier and busier and their schedules get full and they get more and more stressed out, more things on their plate all the time, they tend to just reach for these convenience foods. And as you know, Tom, um, most of the stuff that you can grab quick and easy is junk food. You know, there's a lot of sugar in there. Sugar is pervasive and it's cheap and it's readily available. And I think another problem is it is socially acceptable. You know, it's a it's an addictive substance, just like alcohol or cocaine and heroin, but there's no social stigma attached to it. You know, if you've got a heroin problem or a gambling problem, then it's like, oh, you know, there's something, uh, there's like a stigma, a social stigma attached to that. But, you know, if you eat badly, if you eat sugar all the time, well, there's no stigma attached to that. You know what I mean? Right, exactly. So, I, I, and another thing I think that uh, probably contributed to the big uh, obesity and diabetes surge over the last 20 or 30 years is the big uh, fat-free craze from the 1990s. You know, we, we went through this thing where like, Fat was the enemy, and so all these uh, packaged food companies started removing fat from all of their products, and uh, they replaced it with a lot of sugar and a lot of chemicals to make up for the taste. So now we're in this place where uh, sort of low-fat, high-chemical, high-sugar foods are readily available very inexpensively and pervasively, and that's that's how we end up where we are. Okay, and I know that from my studies— Fasting, glucose, and hemoglobin A1C levels. When you go to the doctor and get your blood work for a physical, they give you a normal range. And normal is a range of people that are supposedly, quote, healthy. Right. So I see a lot of people coming to me and their A1 or their hemoglobin A1C level is like 5.6, and the doctor says they're normal. But optimal for that is 5.0 or less. Yeah, trying to keep it under five is a really good goal. So I think there's a little bit of a problem there, in my opinion. I just want to know your take on the fasting glucose, which fasting glucose can, a lot of things can skew fasting glucose. Right. You know, a trip to the grocery, you know, your stressful commute to the physician, the physician's office that morning can skew it, a bad night's sleep the night before can skew it, the time of day it's taken can skew it. So let me know your thoughts on fasting glucose and, and uh, hemoglobin A1C, please. Get well, nerdy. My, my, Go ahead. And get, yeah, get, get, okay. Well, yeah, I am a nerd. Right. So my disclaimer is I am not a, you know, a laboratory lab values guy. So that's not a real strength of mine. But fasting glucose, you're absolutely correct, is not a terribly useful number because it varies so much throughout the day. It doesn't really give you a good picture of like 
what is happening on a more regular basis. It's just a snapshot in that one second. So not terribly useful. The hemoglobin A1C, the, the way that that works for any of the listeners who aren't, aren't familiar with it, basically what that measurement is, is a measurement of how much, okay, I'm going to totally get nerdy. Thank, That's thank fine. Go for it, buddy. Go for it. It's great. Um, it, it's a measurement of how much of the hemoglobin in the red blood cell is uh, glycated, meaning like damaged from sugar. A, you know, the smaller number is better in that regard. There's a small difference between relatively healthy and getting into the diabetes range. You know, it's only like one and a half percent around there. So basically, the red blood cells turn over. It takes about two or three months for the red blood cells to turn over. So when you look at what the uh, A1C number is, the hemoglobin A1C, it basically gives you a picture of how much sugar is in your bloodstream on average, over the last two or three months. And that's a much better um, tool to sort of see how is your diet and your lifestyle affecting your blood sugar, or if you're uh, technically a diabetic, your diabetes. Right. Does, does that answer the question? That answers the question. And I'm really shocked that more physicians don't run that test on a regular basis. I think my experience is it is becoming more common. But uh, if you are a listener who is getting regular medical care, um, you may have to request that specific test, depending on um, you know how your physician group or or the laboratory where they send off the blood work, you know depending on what their default is, you might have to actually request uh, a hemoglobin A1C test instead of a fasting glucose. Right, exactly. Sugar, inflammation, metabolic syndrome all lead to type two diabetes. Mm-hmm. There's a, a path here of inflammation in the body. Now I know now that I didn't know then, but when my father passed away, he passed away of diabetic complications from kidney failure and heart, heart disease. Yeah, that's sad. And that's why I am doing what I do today, and that's why I want to specialize in type 2 diabetes. How much sugar should a person eat per day? Uh, I am not really a black and white numbers kind of person when it comes to those kind of guidelines. I mean, the um, the American Heart Association or the American Diabetes Association has put out some some recent guidelines, and I think um, like the guidelines for women is twenty five grams of added sugar a day, and for men it's about one and a half times that, it's somewhere around thirty five or thirty eight grams a day. So I mean those. <laughs> Those are numbers that they come up with that like they average a lot of big populations and say, well, it seems like, you know, people who report eating like this have fewer problems than people who report eating like this. It's not like you can say if you have 25 grams of sugar a day, you're fine. And if you have 26, you're screwed. Okay. You know, it's not a black and white cutoff kind of thing like that. So the way that I usually approach this when I when I coach people is to, you know, when you start making improvements in your daily habits and your daily nutrition, you start uh, replacing these unhealthy foods, you know, the low nutrient, high sugar foods with better quality foods, you know, higher fiber, higher nutrient foods like vegetables and whole fruit and thin uh, lean proteins and things like that. When you're eating real food instead of junk food, the number of grams of sugar is not that big of a deal anymore. Okay. You know, so I, I start looking at what 
are people consuming as opposed to really diving into the specific numbers of like how many grams of sugar are you having? Because, you know, if you're drinking a soda, that is a bad choice. And I'm not really concerned with whether your soda has 50 grams of sugar or 36 grams of sugar. That is, that is not, you know, that's, that is nitpicking and you're missing a big picture. So that's kind of how I approach stuff. All right. Why don't we talk about what are sugars? Now, go ahead and, and get geeky on me again, because there's a lot of people think that sugar is just the white granular stuff that you pour out of a bag. But sugars go deeper than that. So what are sugars? Okay. I mean, if you, if you want to get real geeky, I mean, a, uh, a sugar is a, from a chemistry standpoint, it's a compound that is, it's a monosaccharide that has, uh, I think three or more carbons and three or more HTO, uh, H2O molecules attached to it. And there are different kinds. But when we in the nutrition and health field talk about sugars, what we're really talking about is something that is sort of an an added sugar as opposed to uh, a sugar as defined by chemistry. Okay. So for example, every carbohydrate that you eat is whether it's uh, table sugar and cookies or whether it's spinach and uh, Brussels sprouts, you know, all carbohydrates are broken down in the digestive system into glucose, right? That is the simple, it's a simple sugar that uh, your cells can absorb. So the thing that makes a sugar better or worse for you is twofold. Number one, does it have nutrients involved or is it just empty calories and empty sugar? Okay. Number two, and this is the most important thing for the diabetes and blood sugar control issue, is how fast is that carbohydrate broken down and does it enter the bloodstream? And that's what you try to control when you have blood sugar level issues like uh, diabetes or pre-diabetes. So the carbohydrates that are filled with fiber and break down slower, they're more complex, they break down slower. Those are the kinds of carbohydrates that are more desirable because they have a smaller effect, a smaller rise on your blood sugar. The uh, sugars that cause a rapid rise in blood sugar levels are the ones that enter the bloodstream very quickly. Those are liquid sugars, like uh, I mentioned earlier, soda. You know, if you drink that, fruit juice, agave juice, types that are, that are liquid hit the bloodstream really fast. Other kinds of processed sugars, you know, your typical junk food, like your candies and your cookies and cake and cupcakes and stuff like that, those are low-fiber low-nutrient, high-sugar foods that break down very quickly. So if you eat something like that, it's going to spike your blood sugar levels up a lot higher than, uh, you know, carrots and uh, mixed greens will. Okay. And now a word from our sponsor. We'll be back in a minute. We all know that eating healthy is a part of becoming a better person. But if you're finding the organic and non-toxic products too expensive or hard to find, then ThriveMarket.com, the healthy online shopping club, is your solution. Like the Costco meets Whole Foods for everything healthy online, you'll get the best organic and non-GMO brands up to 50% off retail prices, shipped nationally to your door for free within two to three days. When you become a member, 
thrivemarket.com will donate a free membership to a low-income family, teacher, or veteran so we can all thrive together. You never have to pay full price for healthy food again. Go to thrivemarket.com slash therebelhealthcoach to get your free jar of coconut oil and 15% off your first order. This offer is valued at $18 and available for our listeners only on this special link. So here it is again, thrivemarket.com slash therebelhealthcoach. Let's talk about fruit for a minute. Okay. If I eat a banana, I can tell from just the eating the banana, the sugar intake. Mm-hmm. So I, I, for myself, I don't eat bananas because of that, because I, I, I feel it. Sure. So I listen to my body, and it says, don't eat bananas. That is a smart thing to do, listen to your body. Yep. So let's talk about the fruits. What are some of the fruits that you recommend? And what about when you go from eating an apple to juicing an apple? Oh, yeah. Okay. Good, good, uh, good questions. So uh, fruit has more of another simple sugar that's called fructose in it. And fructose is processed a little bit differently in the body than uh, glucose is. It sort of goes directly to the liver for processing. And so your liver can handle only about 20 grams of fructose at a time, which isn't a whole lot. You know, it's a couple pieces of fruit. It's a few pieces of fruit. Um, it's like a half a soda because there's high fructose corn syrup in sodas, those types of things. So, so when you eat more than a small amount of fructose, then your body will sort of package up the extra fructose and store it as, uh, as fat directly. So um, that is actually one of the primary causes of liver disease in the United States that is not related to alcohol. It's fatty liver disease from excessive fructose consumption. So there's a little nifty nerd moment for you there, but I was getting away from your original question. I'm sorry. So um, the fruits that, uh, instead of individual fruits that are yes or no on my list, I'm really more about the amount. And as you mentioned earlier, the delivery system, right? In a nutshell, keeping fruits in their whole state is going to mean that you are eating the fiber and the other nutrients that are involved, which is a good thing to do. So if you're eating an orange, for example, or an apple, then in addition to the carbohydrates and the fructose that is present in there, you're also getting the fiber and the pectin and the vitamins and minerals and things like that. So the fiber helps to slow down the digestion and the absorption of this sugar into your bloodstream. If you juice it, if you're drinking orange juice or if you juice up an apple or juice up your berries or whatever, you're chopping up a lot of that fiber and it's liquefied. So it enters your bloodstream a lot faster. Okay. So yes, orange juice still has the good nutrients, you know, vitamin C and antioxidants that an orange does, but it doesn't have the fiber. So it's going to affect your blood sugar a lot faster. And that's not good than a whole orange is. So I'll usually suggest that uh, to folks as I work with them that most of your carbohydrates should come from vegetables because they tend to be lower in sugar. They are higher in fiber and higher in nutrients. Whereas when you start getting into uh, fruits, they generally have more calories. They have more sugar, more fructose. So uh, smaller portions of the whole fruits are definitely the way to go. With vegetables, you can pretty much eat 
as much, it, you know, you'd be hard pressed to eat too many vegetables. You know, they're so low in calories and so high in nutrients. You'd, you'd really have a hard time eating too many vegetables, but you can certainly go overboard on the fruit. So you got to watch your portions. And, uh, and when you do have fruit, make sure that you, uh, you eat the whole fruit and not juice. Okay. What about hidden sugars and some of the names for hidden sugars? Oh yeah, that's a great that's a great point. I actually there's so many of them. I actually put up a big list on uh, beatingsugaraddiction.com. There's a big list of hidden sugars right there, but in a nutshell, you know, some of the stuff that you wouldn't expect to really be uh, a name for sugar it would be um things that have to do with uh they have like fruits in the names like uh, let me think of a good one. Cane juice, right? Evaporated cane juice or fruit juice concentrate. You'll see grape juice, grape juice concentrate. Um, those types of fruity type names on the ingredients list are actually versions of you know methods of sugar delivery. You also want to be aware of the oses like the maltose and fructose and dextrose. You know the OSE stuff. Those are sh- those are sugars. I think everybody by now generally knows that uh, high fructose corn syrup is uh, not a good thing to be digesting. Certain types of malt are on the list, which is interesting. So, yeah, I think the easiest thing to do instead of having me just rattle, rattle off a off, lot right. of names. Yeah, just, just go to beatingsugaraddiction.com and, and look up the other names for sugar. And uh, that would that'll probably be helpful to a lot of folks who are trying to watch out for for these kinds of things. Now, I know that our big food companies are starting to even play with the name of high fructose corn syrup in their in their ingredients. Yes, that was uh, that's a sneaky way. Yeah, <laughs> I think corn corn syrup. I think is what they want to change it to, right? Yeah, they tried. Yeah, they're trying that now. It's just corn syrup. Let me ask you a question: When you're reading a label for our listeners here, when you're reading a label, where do you want to see sugar on that label? Well. When you list the ingredients on a, on a label in the United States, they list it by weight. So the first thing that is on the list of ingredients is the thing that weighs the most, you know? So, and then as you go down the list, then there's less and less by weight, by product weight. So, you know, I, personally, I'm always coaching people to eat whole foods and real foods. So there aren't going to be a lot of ingredients on a package. Right. You know, <laughs> strawberries do not have an ingredient list, basically, <laughs> you know, right? Exactly. <laughs> those, those kinds of things. But um, when you are looking at the label, you know, if something has sugar in the first few ingredients, that's telling you that it's a big percentage of what is in that package. If it's way down on the list, there's less of it. Yeah. And in today's society, we live on, I mean, I know myself, I live in a, on a rushed for the most part, on the go thing, and, and I think that I I try and in in practice coaching, I try and keep the sugars out of the five, first five, and I try and keep the ingredients less than ten on the package. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great uh, that's a great way to to sum it up right there. You know, if you've got more than ten ingredients, then you're eating a lot of processed stuff and a lot of. Uh, a lot of chemicals that you could probably find a version of that 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 is cleaner. So here's one thing I, I know that myself I, I'm a big meal bar or you know I grab a meal bar if I'm on the go I can stop at the gas station and grab a meal bar. Yeah, 
Is there any meal bars out there that you recommend to the listeners that? Yeah, one that comes to mind is um, there's a brand called Quest. They make Quest bars. Okay. And they are uh, sugar free and additive free. You know, they're like chemical free. They're high in protein, high in fiber. They don't have any added sugars or artificial sweeteners or anything like that. So I like uh, I like those for a um, you know for a snack bar. Okay, Quest bars. I, I think you can get those almost anywhere now. But yes, I don't have the website on the top of uh, the top of my head. But I know that Thrive Market. If you're a member of Thrive Market, you can order them by the box and get yourself a good deal. Yeah, I also um, I like to prepare a lot of my own snacks. So uh, you know, a handful of nuts and an apple makes a good makes a good one. I keep uh, Greek yogurt in my refrigerator at work. So I've always got access to that. While we're talking about yogurt, because I know I, when I go shopping, I see people grab, you know, like I grab the Greek yogurt, mm-hmm. but I see a lot of people grabbing these fruit mixes and and uh, you'll play, and, but there's so much sugar in those. Yeah, there's a lot. You have to uh, read your labels. And, and as a general rule of thumb, the, the Greek style of yogurt is about twice the protein and half the sugar as the other uh, kind of sort of more traditional yogurt. And it tastes pretty much the same, in my opinion. So I always go uh, with Greek yogurt. And I'm a proponent of buying uh, organic and hormone-free stuff. So uh, those are the kinds of Greek yogurts that that I get for myself and my wife. And uh, I suggest for other people, too, make sure you get the uh, hormone-free dairy stuff. Now let's talk about sugar addiction. Yeah. Uh, we started at the beginning of the show. You talked about a little bit of people being addicted to sugar. What What are the forms of sugar addiction? I think there are three main things that where, where people sort of teach themselves to reach for sugar and junk food. When they, they reach for sugar for comfort or for energy or for convenience. Those are the three things that people are generally seeking. You know, they, they is comfort like uh, stress eating. So it's a comfort or a distraction. That's a big one. We can talk about that in a little bit if you want. Or for energy, you know, they haven't been eating often enough or they haven't been eating the right things. So they're sort of crashing and burning and they reach for some sort of sugary pick me up. And then the convenience thing, too. I mentioned that earlier in our talk here. People are so busy. They haven't learned how to put a couple minutes of uh, thought and planning into their food for the day. So, you know, they haven't eaten for seven hours and they're starving and they just grab whatever is convenient. And a lot of times, unless you set yourself up correctly, convenient equals junk food. Right. I like to tell my clients, look at you, plan your finances, go ahead and plan your menus. Yeah, absolutely. That is the biggest thing that you can do for your nutrition and your health is to just take two minutes and, uh, you know, put together your, your plan for the, at least the next day. You know, some people like to do it on Sunday. Some people like to, uh, cook everything and prepare stuff for the whole week. So they don't have to think about it the rest of the week. And that works great for some people. I do mine the day before, you know, before I go to sleep every night, I know exactly what I'm going to eat the next day, every time for the whole day. And that just keeps me on track. And that's easy. It, it takes literally less than two minutes once you get good at it. Right. And that's pretty much what I do is I, I know what I'm going to have the day before, right from breakfast all the way till I go to sleep. Great. Keep doing that. Well, you have to. I mean, you know, like I said, people, we sit and look at our budget and we keep tweaking our budget and, you know, we plan our finances and where our future is going to be financially. 
but we don't sit and plan our foods. And I think that that's very important. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's one of the keys to sort of turning around your nutrition program. If you find yourself, uh, you know, suffering from diabetes or stress eating and sugar addiction or whatever your current problem is, you've got to put a little bit of time and attention into thinking and preparing about food. Because if it always goes on the back burner, you're never going to improve it. Right, exactly. Now, I have a question from one of the listeners in regards to sugar cravings. Mm -hmm. If you have a sugar craving, what do you use or what do you do to replace it? Uh, the first thing I would do is grab uh, the three steps to kill your sugar cravings guidebook or guide sheet that I have at beatingsugaraddiction.com. It's free. You can download it. It's just a little three-step process. When you get a sugar craving, do these three things and uh, it'll kill most of your cravings right away. And another thing that I generally try to get people to do, in, in addition to drinking enough water throughout the day, because that is actually one of the reasons for sugar cravings is thirst and dehydration. I don't know if you knew that or not, but you know the little hypothalamus section of your, of your brain that controls your appetite and your thirst and stuff like that, those things are wired in there uh, pretty tight. And so it's really easy for us to get in the habit of thinking that we want food or something sweet when we're actually thirsty. So drinking enough water is a one easy way to keep yourself out of trouble for a majority of the day. And the other thing that I will uh, suggest that people do is start to find some healthier substitutes for what you used to formerly reach for for your sweet fix. For example, you know, if your thing was like you know the little Dove chocolate things at night, then switch to a square or two of dark chocolate instead of milk chocolate. You know, there's less sugar. Dark chocolate actually has some healthy nutrients in it, and it'll still give you your chocolate fix and give you that nice, uh, smooth chocolate mouthfeel that you like. You know, a healthier substitute like that. Um, I use berries, like strawberries and blueberries or cherries, a handful of those at night instead of, uh, you know, cake or pie or whatever your kind of dessert that you might have historically had, you know, that way you have fewer calories, fewer processed sugar, and a whole lot more nutrients that are useful to you than a piece of cheesecake. Okay, cool. What, let me ask you a question in, in regards to the cacao or chocolate bars. What percentage of cacao are you looking for in a, in a chocolate bar? Uh, 70 or maybe 80. It, the, the, the taste tends to change a lot after 70 or 75. But a minimum of 75% uh, or 70% cacao would be uh, what you're looking for. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we go into the sugar-free meat course? Oh, you've been asking a lot of good questions, man. I like it. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> no problem, buddy. Let's go into your sugar-free meat course. Tell listeners where they can find it and what it, what it involves. And Sure. I have two ways that I work with people around the, uh, the sugar, blood sugar control and getting off of sugar, stopping the stress eating and how to get off sugar for good really is a good way to describe it. 
Uh, the first way is an online course. It's called Sugar Free Me, and that's what you were describing. And it's basically a seven-module course that you can uh, digest at your own pace. Excuse the pun, digest. <laughs> but uh, you know, you learn at your own pace. It's uh, written materials and video materials, and uh, all, it'll be audiobook soon. I don't have the audiobook stuff uh, uploaded quite yet, but uh, you can have it in all of that written stuff, video stuff, audio stuff. And it's a step-by-step process to teach you how to stop stress eating, how to start planning your food better. Um, you know, it talks about the reasons why you historically have gone into reaching for sugar and junk food. My disclaimer is I am not a mental health professional. I'm not a psychologist or a counselor, but you can't talk about changing somebody's behavior unless you start looking at how they think. Okay. So I have, uh, you know, literally I've got thousands of people under my belt. And so when you work with that many people over 20 some years, you start to recognize a lot of patterns. Right. So there are four sort of typical versions of people's emotional states about why they reach for sugar. So I talk about all four of those, um, give some specific advice for each one of those types. And uh, it's a system that helps people uh, learn how to put together a healthy nutrition system on their own because that's what you really need. You know, my Tom, my whole coaching philosophy is really based on building a better, healthier, normal for what you're doing. Okay. The reason that people tend to to struggle and fail so often when it comes to nutrition and weight loss and blood sugar control and all this stuff is that they go on this plan or this program. It's usually too strict. It's usually a, a not sustainable system. So when they either finish it or they sputter out and fail halfway through because they don't they can't manage the willpower that is required for this kind of a thing, then they go back to what they used to do. And the result there is you haven't really changed anything. So I do not give people like, okay, here's a system and here's a program and you try to do it all at once. Because that's not how we <laughs> right. that's not how we change. So the way that I coach folks is I go through small incremental changes and upgrades in their nutrition and their lifestyle and their stress management and their exercise. So that over time, you know, at five months later, six months later, you look back and you're a totally different person than you were six months ago. Right. But you've only changed one or two things at a time, so you don't really feel like you're doing anything that different. That is a sustainable way to change behavior and improve your nutrition and your lifestyle. So that's how I do it. I use the, the sugar-free meat course that you talked about. I also have a, sort of an online coaching group that I run to, to go through these kinds of gradual improvements over time. So those are the two ways that I, uh, that I help people. Yeah, baby steps, man. Baby steps, where it's at. It's all about baby steps. And even even myself, I know, you know, there's some day, like some Sundays I'll say, hey, look, I'm going to have some ice cream today. Yep. You know, and I'll go grab a little pint of Chunky Monkey and that's a treat. Right. And the, the difference is you do it on purpose. Right. And you plan for it and you do it on purpose. It's not like, you know, you had a bad day at work and you plowed through a half a gallon of ice cream and then you feel bad about yourself and you're like, oh my God, what just happened? This is something that you did on purpose. There's a big, big difference between purposeful eating and reactive eating. Exactly. Exactly. So where can listeners find you? Uh, the best thing to do is go to beatingsugaraddiction.com. 
I've got a ton of material for free for people to uh, to read through. I've got a lot of articles up there, a lot of information. Uh, grab the uh, the download, the three steps to kill your sugar cravings download that I talked about. That's free and that'll be useful for folks. And uh, my contact information is there. If anybody's interested in uh, getting some extra help or if they want to talk to me about uh, either the Sugar Free Me program or maybe getting into the online coaching group, I'd be more than happy to talk to them about that and see if it's a good fit. Awesome. Awesome. One question before we go. Well, I know we all have a busy life, but we also have to have our downtime. Mm -hmm. So if you had an hour or two or three to kill, what album would you grab and listen to? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I'm a big jazz head. Okay. So I like uh, Chick Corea. I think uh, Miles Davis, most of his stuff is fantastic. And uh, let's see, one more that I would like. I'm a John Schofield fan too. Okay. So I like uh, that kind of uh, guitar jazz too. Nice, nice. I'm a big fan of Pat Metheny also. Oh, yeah. I actually got to audition for Pat Metheny's band in the 1990s. Did you really? I was, I was flattered. Yeah, he didn't pick me, but I got a nice letter from him. It was nice. For P, uh, for keyboards? Yeah. Nice, nice. I used to uh, know Paul Wertico a little bit as a, you know, uh, he was a Pat Metheny's drummer for a while, so that was interesting. Hmm. Yeah, great band. Great, yes. great, great guitarist. Good stuff. So, all right, buddy, thank you so much for hopping on the call with me today. And I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing for society today. Well, right back at you, Tom. I mean, you're doing really great work and you're putting out good information. So thank you for doing that. And uh, it's been great being on your show. Thanks for asking me to come on. Oh, man, no problem. Thank you for jumping on, buddy. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. Please go to my website, www.tomunderwood.net. That's T-H-O-M, underwood.net. And grab yourself a copy of my free ebook, 11 Surprisingly Easy Changes to Be Your Best Self. It's under the freebies tab at the top of the page. This will also sign you up for my monthly newsletter. And I promise not to blast you with endless BS emails. Also, If you'd like to book a one-hour consultation with me, at the bottom of the homepage, just click on the button, schedule a free one-hour consultation. And if you really enjoyed this show, please go to iTunes and rate the show and leave me a comment. Have a blessed day.